This is Tom Lee. I'm the Chief Medical Officer of Prescani, and today we have another in our series of podcast interviews with amazing physicians who have found reason to be passionate, reasons to be resilient in the face of all the stresses that we faced in medicine today. Uh, this story is one I know you're going to love. Uh, we're talking today with Babakar Sise, a 45-year-old MD, PhD, neurosurgeon at Wild Cornell, New York Presbyterian, and also Memorial Sloan Kettering. He spends about half of his time caring for patients with conditions like brain tumors, and the other half running a large research laboratory trying to unravel immunological mechanisms that might one day arrest and reverse the growth of these uh, terrible conditions. Babakar's work in both settings is hard, it's cool, it's amazing, but it's particularly amazing if you go back two decades when Babakar was an undocumented alien working as a busboy in a midtown New York restaurant without any clear path to getting a college degree, let alone becoming a neurosurgeon at Walt Cornell. His path to where he is today has been a long one, and it influences how he views his work on a day-to-day -day basis. So let's begin with what has become a classic story among those who know him in the Wild Cornell community. You know, Bob Rowe, can you tell our audience about how you got off the plane from Senegal with $26 in your pocket, an address no taxi driver recognized, and how your first day in America went? Um, hi, uh, Tom. Thank you very much um, for having me. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure to to be talking to you, and uh, I would like to say uh, good afternoon to our audience as well. Um, it's it's interesting. It was uh, it was a Sunday, August thirtieth, uh, nineteen ninety eight, when I uh, got on the plane from Dakar. This was the first time ever that I actually got on a plane, and I uh, landed at JFK. It was around uh, twelve, and I had a piece of. Uh, paper that had the address that I was supposed to go to to see my uh, my cousin. And I had $26 in my pocket. Um, I saw this cab driver who asked me where I was going. I showed him the address. I can take you there. And uh, we, for a good three hours, we were going in the Bronx in circles, not knowing where it is that we, we were going. And at some point in time, the cab driver looked at me and said, I think you should um, spend the night um, at my place and tomorrow we'll continue to look for the address. This is a time when I did not have, we did not have cell phones or such things. So I actually spent the night at his, uh, at his house and my first food in America was a good um, Chinese uh, chicken fried rice. But it was just amazing for, to me at the same, I was worried what was going to happen to me, but at the same time to see this um, gentleman who was kind enough really to have me at his place. And the following morning, we embarked on a journey to find that address, which we eventually did. What was interesting was that the $26 were not uh, enough to cover the $30 fee, and he did not actually charge me any extra. So that was a really nice um, act of, uh, of um, kindness from that gentleman. Well, you know, I wish everyone coming to the United States had acts of kindness in their first 24 hours like you did. And I think we'll be coming back to acts of kindness. But let's go back before you came to the United States. And if you can tell our audience a little bit about uh, your upbringing, your family, you know, back in Senegal. So I was part of a large family. Um, as some of you, some of our audience will know, polygamy is um, legal in Senegal. So my dad had four wives. So I was one of them. Um, 16 children. 
And I was, um, I spent most of my time with my mom who actually among um, us decided to focus on me uh, when it came to education. Part of it had to do with the fact that we just did not have the means to support the family. It was a um, simple and uh, poor family. Um, so I, 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 this was a motivation for me to do well in school, um, which, uh, which I did. But what happened was that after I graduated from high school, I did not have money to basically go to, to university. So this was a time for me that was very difficult. I um, spent a course of six years, uh, but during which I uh, found other interesting things like um, learning English. And one of the ways in which I was learning English in Dakar, which is the capital of Senegal, was uh, every Friday I would go to the American Cultural Center. And what they used to do was they used to record um, ABC News with Peter Jennings over the course of the week. And on Friday afternoon, they will show all of them. So this was a good way for me to, to learn English as well. And I started uh, using the library to, to learn science because this was a time when I really um, started becoming interested in, um, in medicine and in science in general. And eventually I was fortunate enough to have a student visa to come to the, uh, to the United States. So you spent six years basically in limbo, uh, teaching yourself English, teaching yourself science, uh, but without any clear path. Uh, you took the plunge, got a student visa, arrived in the United States, but things did not go smoothly right away, did they? They did not, unfortunately. So when I got, um, I mean, for someone to come to the United States with uh, $26, in um, in assets, when I say assets, it's it's not I do not I had a bank account or anything like that. Things did not happen, so I was admitted to the University of uh, Portland in Oregon. So what I did was when as soon as I got here and I started talking to my cousin and uh, realized that it, there was no way for me to go there, I called them up to let them know that I was here, and uh, but I was not in a position to come. So I was going to stay for a semester and then see what happens over the course of the uh, the following four months. So this was a very difficult time for me because I was faced um, with the challenge of either staying here in the United States illegally or going back to Senegal, where I was for five years and did not have a future there. So I decided to, um, to stay and started working um, at a restaurant as a busboy. And this was illegal. Um, but fortunately, during that year, I uh, was fortunate enough to be accepted to Bard with a um, full tuition scholarship. And uh, at Bard, they helped me um, reinstate my, uh, my immigration status. After I told INS, I wrote a detailed letter to the director explaining to him the reasons why I worked and uh, the fact that I worked illegally. And I appreciated that it was not um, it was not legal to do it, but uh, here's the reason why I did it. If that was my goal, I would not be writing a letter to him from uh, from Bart. And then uh, after Bart, um, we um, went to to the College of Physicians and Surgeons at Columbia University for the MD-PhD program. And after we finished, we crossed town to come to Cornell and uh, MSK for the training in neurosurgery. Now, what amazed me when I first heard your, heard about you was that I knew you had this long delay, six years before you started college, uh, and then you chose to get a PhD as well as an MD, adding you know many years to your education, and then after that, you chose especially with an incredibly long training period, neurosurgery. It's amazing 
that you didn't give up in, at all along the way. And it's amazing that you didn't try to choose a route that would be faster. So why did you go this very, very, very long road that has you at 45 just really starting your career as an as a grown-up? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I uh Every now and then, I actually ask myself the same question. I was in school when my kids were in school as well. I mean, part of it, um, Tom, has to do with the fact that I'm really interested in science. And one of the things that I learned very early on in college is that I was interested in medicine, but it was very clear to me that um, the bench or the operating room are not the answers to all of the problems that we have that um, understanding the normal development, the normal functioning, the normal maintenance of various cells of the body is undoubtedly what is required to have a better understanding of disease processes and coming up with better treatment modalities that we do. So I was extremely curious about scientific issues. And uh, for me, I I was fortunate. I think the six years that I spent with that college um, taught me something, which is, you know, when you have a goal, uh, and you're looking at it in the future, it may, time may seem very, very long, but once you reach it, it's actually fairly short. I mean, we're talking about uh, 1998. This was 20 years ago, and it looks like yesterday. So for me, time was timeless. What was important for me was really to pursue my uh, my aspirations and ambitions, and science was science and medicine were it. So I was, it, it did not bother me that I spent um, extra time doing a PhD and then uh, training as a neurosurgeon. Well, your curiosity about the issues affecting patients is amazing. It sustained you during those years when you were teaching yourself science before you could come to America. Uh, Now, I know that you're aware of discussions about burnout among physicians in this country and and other personnel as well. Uh, Have you ever felt burned out during that long, long journey that you undertook? No, not at all. I mean, this is this is a choice that I've made, quite frankly. And uh, part of it, you know, there are times when uh, you have doubts. There are times when you ask yourself, "Is are things going to work out the way that you want them?" But those are the times actually that help you do a little bit of introspection. Ask yourself what it is that I've done that I was not supposed to do, or what it is that I um, should be focusing on. So I. For me, it's it, it really burnout was never never an issue, quite frankly. And I've been fortunate to be surrounded by great people, whether it's from family or mentors throughout my education. I mean, when I spend 14 hours operating, and for me, it's like five minutes because I know that the patient that I'm operating on is either my father, my mom, my wife. My, so that's how I view my patients. So burnout is definitely not an issue. And this is a choice that I've made. There are other professions out there that um, that I could have chosen, but I chose to do medicine knowing that there are challenges. And I really enjoy it. And one of the things that um, I learned very early on from my parents is to, to, to be like a candle. You know, when you light up a candle, the candle will melt, but in the process, it's helping you actually see. And that's how I view my, uh, myself when I practice medicine. So you feel like a, you, that it's worth it to be a candle, ship, create light for other people, even if, you know, you ultimately, you know, melt away as part of the process. Uh, that's your choice. That's how you're trying to make a difference in the world. 
That is absolutely correct. There are people who did it for us in the past, and we have good memories of that of them. And we, I am one of the people who believe in what one um, poet said that memory is a second life. Well, thank you very much, Babakar. I think that Wakuno is lucky to have you,、uh, and I know that you benefited from、uh, many acts of kindness and generosity、uh, along the way, including your first day. And I know you're returning the favor many times over, and、uh, we'll be very interested to see how your candle evolves as time goes by. Thank you very much for having me, Tom, and thank you very much to everyone listening.